0: Hello, horror fans. Welcome back to Selling the Scream, a show about horror movies brought to you by One Horror Nerd and One Horror Noob. I'm Jed Donaldson, the aforementioned noob, so I guess that just leaves our nerd. Uh, Here he is, my co-host, Josh, the birthday boy, Yoakum. Happy birthday to me.
1: Yes. uh, How are you doing? Uh, You know, same old, same old. It hasn't been that long since we talked to each other, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of, you know, peek behind the kimono. We're kind of banging these out a little bit back to back. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing okay over here. Uh, get ready, actually, to come out and uh, see you guys soon. By the time this episode goes live, I'll be walking this, the mean streets of uh, Cincinnati again. Yeah, a little bit, little bit of travel in your future. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, feeling real good about it, too. I, I you know, made these plans back when I got vaccinated. And I'm like, it's so great that there's a free medicine available to everyone. And uh, it ha- has a super high proven success rate. So everybody would take it and we wouldn't really have any problems going forward with this whole pandemic thing. There might be a lot of other things on the table, but pandemic licked. That's... Right. Right. Exactly. That's it. That is how it's turned out. <laughs> uh man i i'm <laughs> not looking forward to flying through the airport i think we're fine to get there and do all that stuff but it's just
0: just looking forward I, to, being able wanted to, to be done. That, that uh that airtight <laughs> tube flying thousands of feet up in the sky with yeah, a bunch yeah, of hope... other people who may or may not be intelligent
1: <laughs> may have that that test that proved they were clear 48 hours ago right before they went down to, to Lollapalooza Part 2 and let strangers spit in their mouths for, for 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Um But yeah, so looking forward to coming out with my son and seeing a bunch of people I haven't seen in a long time, including the co-host of this very podcast. So, well.
0: That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to it. It should be a good time. I hope it will be a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah any anything going on with you I know there's a bit of a, a a short turnaround between this this episode and last just still keeping it real
0: yeah uh if if you listen to last episode same stuff's going on uh still still getting the kids ready for school uh they're gonna be starting in a couple days here um a little nervous about it for m- most of the same reasons that you're nervous about flying because <laughs> uh, masks are not uh necessary (laughs) they're not not being enforced it's optional which uh, i don't really agree with but uh that's that's kind of the way the school district is handling it um but but have you considered the the freedoms oh you know what i didn't (laughs) there you go all right uh, no i'm
1: yeah I, i retract my statement we are all free to give other people a terrible infectious disease that's mm, that's. yeah it's in the constitution
0: <laughs> yeah, i understand that now
1: thank you uh yeah um yeah the here at least the the masks are required but uh, you're, there's the whole thing i don't know if you guys are seen it out there where like the schools are like well how we don't know how we could possibly enforce this dress code and it's just like well i think i feel like i've seen a lot of stories in the news about you being really good at enforcing dress code <laughs> like (laughs) like unnecessarily good stuff (laughs) like singling people out like for for a multitude of reasons uh enforcing dress code um yeah but do we talk about dress codes here and
0: no no that's that's our sister show (laughs) (laughs) No, no dress codes on this
1: podcast yeah, what, what, what do we talk about here? We talk about those scary movies. We do, um, we do talk about scary movies on this show. <laughs> and we got a uh, one of my it's it is going to be my birthday when this airs. We got a a very strange Canadian early slasher movie that's near and dear to my heart. The uh, Canadian exploitation movie. Happy birthday to me. Yeah, this was uh this came out in nineteen eighty one, kind of the year of the slasher. This is kind of like when the, the the financial draw and of and kind of the the foundations of what a slasher was were getting kind of put into place. Um
0: not the first early slasher
1: film we've tackled on this show. No, we did we did um Black Christmas, but that didn't really that was kind of a flop, so that didn't really get things going um halloween however was not a flop halloween was a an earthquake uh in 1978 it came out and it was an indie movie that like every major studio passed on put any kind of involvement in it um three hundred thousand dollar budget brought in 70 million dollars so all of a sudden <laughs> there were <laughs> a lot of people interested in doing these sorts of movies out of the blue yeah, kind of um, funny how that might work. <laughs> the following year there was like a few that went into production. Like there was a like um like when a stranger calls, and um but really kind of most things started getting developed and starting to come out in 1980. And they didn't really know if it was gonna be kind of lightning in a bottle or if it was gonna be um just kind of a one-off, you know, thing, or or something sustainable that they could make movies like this and keep making money off of it. Um but Paramount rolled the dice on Friday the 13th and also huge hit. Um, And a couple other like fairly minor hits. Like you had prom night made a decent amount of money. Um, So by the time 81 rolls around, there was like a lot of things in development and all these studios are kind of like paying attention to what the other studios are doing. Um, You have this come out, the same people that put this out also that same year put out my bloody Valentine. Um, You have the, uh, sequels the first sequel to both friday the 13th and halloween both come out the same year um just a lot of really kind of interesting things and everything the next year or two kind of the mold that we've seen when we've done like friday the 13th movies or that the mold that gets kind of poked fun at a bit and scream kind of gets a little bit more set in stone um i don't think this one really is I, I you know kind of without getting into discussing the whole movie so far like was this did this feel a little different to you? It did feel a little
0: different. It was um I would say the best way I could describe it is that it it did feel like they were trying to figure out what they were
1: doing. Yeah, the um so I think we we've talked a little bit in the past uh, about exploitation cinema without really kind of defining what that actually means and ter- when you say that because it's it's not necessarily like exploiting an audience it's not like i'm i'm trying to make a buck off these idiots like that's that's not what they mean when they say exploitation when they say exploitation they mean like there's a need in the market that's not being met by studios so we're going to step in and fill that role um so you had a lot of like these uh independent studios and producers um and Two guys at Cinepix, like I said, they they did this in My Bloody Valentine because they all figured out really early on, like a holiday or a central event, <laughs> like that is the key to marketing these things. Um, so, I mean, ha- having that built-in hook is is pretty yeah. clutch. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, they were producers at Cinepix, which is now Lionsgate. Um, so these these folks are the folks themselves are not still around, but the what, kind of what they built is. Um, they put out a bunch of the, the David Cronenberg stuff. They put out like a bunch of, um, (laughs) uh, what they affectionately were calling maple porn, (laughs) um, the Francophile, um, just softcore movies getting released, um, in, in the seventies. Um, so (laughs) kind of saw this opportunity to put together these two movies and this one got sold, um, to Columbia. Columbia was very desperate to have their own Friday the Thirteenth, um, so they bought it up. And part of that was also it had a pretty decent pedigree on it. Um, I, I I don't anticipate you'll know the name Jay Lee Thompson, the director of this movie. No, that's not familiar to me. So uh, he's a British director. He was like in his sixties when he made this movie. Um, long and storied career. Like he was a playwright. He was, he did all these like prestige British dramas, like, like through like the forties and fifties, got his big American breakthrough with guns of the Navarone um, Academy Award nominated film. He was nominated for, for an Oscar for it Um, made the original Cape fear. Um, So he also kind of had slid a little bit by this time. He had made, Some more genre movies before this, he made uh, the last two of the original Planet of the Apes run, which aren't necessarily well regarded (laughs) by by Planet of the Apes fans. Um, He's also kind of a guy that um, we've kind of talked before about, like, Dario Argento having uh, Daria Nicolodi, who was kind of his partner. And, you know, I, I put again in quotes, Muse. Uh, J. Lee Thompson had that, too. He worked with a, a playwright and writer who um, wrote her memoirs of being wrong. Uh, she was imprisoned somewhat wrongfully um, and had like the 50s version almost of Orange is the New Black, where it's her in this like detailing. What was wrong with the system? Okay. Um, later on in his career, he works a lot with Charlie Bronson and. <laughs> um, he did, like, a couple of the later Death Wish movies. He did um, worked a bunch with, with, like, Canon film. He was, like, he was working up until the end. Um, if you have not seen Ten to Midnight, the Charlie Bronson police movie that's maybe the closest to a slasher that Charlie Bronson did, it is a it, – it's bananas. <laughs> There's a scene where Charlie Bronson's uh, – threatening a suspect in custody with his uh, sex toy and just shaking it at him going, what do you use this for? Checking off. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So this movie's not like that. I don't, (laughs) it's a a horny movie. This is a movie where everybody's wanting to fuck everybody. But um, he's kind of more known for like a kind of improv-y style, I guess, on set. Like he kind of wouldn't really have things in stone for how he wanted a scene to go. And he would kind of put it together when he got there. Um, that paid off because this movie <laughs> um, had a script written by a well-regarded like English professor. This guy was like fit kind of a highfalutin fancy script to it. Um, that script was altered as other movies were coming out and they were seeing that you like needed a twist. So um, there's a twist in this movie that maybe I think is kind of, I enjoy it, um, and I think it kind of fits the movie because the movie so strange. But it's not really what the movie's been building up to. <laughs> it did not initially have like really a twist like this. Um, yeah, I we'll, I would agree that the uh, I didn't see the twist coming. <laughs> we'll get there. It involves Mission Impossible masks. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't didn't see that coming somehow. <laughs> um. It's funny cuz this movie was actually pretty successful. This was kind of in that, you know, it didn't make as much as the um the sequels to Friday the 13th and Halloween did, but like out of all the other slashers that came out this year, like it, it was pretty respectable. It made like I think like 14, like 10 to 14 million somewhere in that range. Um just, you know, the the budget was way lower than that. So, you know, good on them. They got their they got their money back. They they exploited the market.
0: <laughs> you make money, that's that's what kind of the idea. <laughs>
1: But I also think this movie kind of got a little bit forgotten as it went on, and uh, I, you see, there's there's definitely been like reissues and stuff, and among fans, it's it's pretty well known. But um, I, I think it kind of deserves a second look, and uh, part of it is also the the marketing material behind this. I don't know if I, I, I mentioned the the cover art last. Time. Did you get a chance to look at the the cover box I, of this bad boy? Was I did not look it up, but I can look it up now. I mean, that's I have a phone. <laughs> So it's um, while you're while you're finding it, it's um, it's basically Stephen's death from this movie, the shish kebab death. Okay. um, Just from like a a different angle with his mouth wide open as the shish kebabs like about to go in. Um, It does say that John will never eat shish kebabs ever again on there. Um, John is not a character in this movie. So, um, you know, they the the merch, the, the, the marketing material was was good, if not accurate. Um, they had a lot of gimmicks for it too. They, they did the whole psycho thing where they wouldn't let anybody to be, be seated during the final 10 minutes of the film. (laughs) Um, Okay. Yeah. They, they had like, um, stuff set up in the lobbies where they had the birthday party set up. So when you came out of the movie, the, the, they had like props set up for the ending birthday party. That's kind of, Uh, (laughs) fun. um, if people do know this movie, what they tend to know it for is that there are two stars in it. One who was, um, you know, hoping to kind of rise up in her career and one, maybe towards the end of his career. It was, um, Melissa Sue Anderson is our lead as Jenny. She was Mary Ingalls on in little house of the Prairie. I've like hey. been nominated for awards in that role. And, um, maybe this didn't do her career a lot of favors, <laughs> Um, you know, but I, it's, it's about as hard of a left as you can get away from Little House on the Prairie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely, I mean, I kind of understand wanting to take a, a
1: bit of a turn. <laughs> and I, I, I you know, don't want to spoil anything for the Crispy. I think she's really good in this movie. I think she's, um, she's got some scenes that are, are pretty big and she, 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 she goes with it. It's, I, I think she's pretty fun in it. Oh, yeah. Um, the, maybe the same can't be said for our other star of the movie, who's kind of uh, drunk every day that he shows up on set, apparently, Gwen Ford as Dr. Faraday. Um, <laughs> was D- David? <laughs> yes, David Faraday. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's um, – he was like a huge hit, like box office draw, like the 40s and 50s, and uh, had been working in Hollywood. as a Hollywood legend. He was in like Blackboard Jungle and all these – you know, maybe uh, more modern audiences would know him as um, Paul Kent in the original Superman movie. Um, apparently on this film, he was like drunk and starting fights all the time. <laughs> but, you know, OK. <laughs> fun. That's a fun day at work. <laughs> so before we get I get into the movie here, um, where do you think this movie? I know, you know, it's Canadian. Where do you think it's set? Um,
0: I, I kind of had the idea that it was like uh northeast, like maybe Pennsylvania or New York, one of,
1: okay in, in, in that general area. You're, yeah, I think it's it's supposed to be Massachusetts, but it's, it's okay. it kind of kind of could also be the moon, like it's <laughs> it's this place that doesn't really exist. It's this.
0: Yeah, I just I was just trying to kind of think of places where like wealthy people would have settled in for a long time, because that's kind of a,
1: a plot point. Yeah, yeah. it is set at the prestigious Crawford Academy, um, and most of our main characters in this are the uh, top ten, the, the ten wealthiest students that, that go to this school. Um, a bunch of Brett Easton Ellis motherfuckers up in this piece. Um,
0: yeah, it's a real... Uh... I had a real hard time gauging what their actual uh, relationship was, these ten people. Because <laughs> some of them seemed like they were friends, but they definitely didn't all seem like they were friends. And
1: I, <laughs> I think they're just the ten wealthiest kids. It's just supposed to be, like, they hang out with each other because they're supposed to. It's, like, networking, and they're... Okay. I, I mean, I guess that kind of makes some sense. Yeah, so that's why they're hanging out with, like, Alfred. <laughs> um, <laughs> the... Um, so you, you want to get into it? Cause I think the, this is a very, um, like Jalo inspired, um, whodunit version of the slasher story. This isn't your Friday the 13th where it's just a, all right, we just got to get Jason back to life. Let's, let's and point him in a direction. It's there's deaths and you don't know who's doing it. It's a black gloved.
0: Right. Figure. They throw some bait out there. Several different points to point at different people. Oh, uh, this, this movie is nothing,
1: maybe,
0: nothing but red herrings. <laughs> yeah, at one point I thought maybe they all had done it.
1: <laughs> a viable ending to this movie, I think. Um, yeah, there's there is nobody who doesn't have a scene that like makes them out to be just an utter creeper. Um, I mean, justifiably because most of them are pieces of shit. <laughs> I think that's kind of what makes it work in a weird way, though. It's like there's a I mean, we'll get into what the like the twist is and who the killer is. But um, but I think there's also like other weird things kind of pulling it. I think it also feels like a movie that was written by an English professor where it's kind of got this uh, for for two big reasons. One is it's got this whole like flashback uh, trauma, psychological thriller angle to it where our main character has um basically been spending years recovering from a traumatic brain injury in an, in an accident right. you're getting like flashback after flashback as to what happened there um but it also um none of the kids in the movie apparently have a a film reference that's earlier than like 30 years <laughs> Before this movie came out, they're they're all going to go see High Noon and imitating Peter Lorre. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, it's it's very um, it's very hard to to place the time period that this like you want to believe that it's set around the time that it actually came out, but the
1: there's disco in it, <laughs>
0: but... so maybe it was earlier. It's it's really hard to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like that's kind of part of why I I asked that question about like the setting because it feels like it's, you know, it it was something that I, I I kind of find this appealing is that it's this, it it sets these strange rules. It it lives in this heightened reality. It's like somewhere between, you know, it's on the soapier end of slasher movies. It's like somebody took like teen dynasty and jammed a, a slasher into it. And we have got um, some
0: like some weird science fiction at play
1: too. Yeah, yeah, that that with the whole brain injury subplot because it's a like a, a a miracle recovery that they're. It's
0: almost like a like a Michael, Michael Crichton esque.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and I definitely want to get into those scenes because I think those scenes are um pretty amazingly effective. Maybe it's just my own medical phobias coming out, but I think mm. there's um you know I, I I part of me also knew that uh. You've got to think about bad medicine. So <laughs> we'll see how those scenes sat with you. All right. <laughs> um so the the movie starts off um, somebody's stalked and killed by an unknown assailant. It's one of the top ten. Um, there's they're they're killed off and like the, the first one's pretty tame, but there's a lot of pretty innovative I mean... deaths too. You say it's tame, but it's a it's a it's protracted. Brute. It's really good.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah. they they really dig into like here's the scene is she's going to meet her friends at a at a bar. Um, she gets into her car. She's getting ready to drive away. Someone reaches out of the back seat and begins to strangle her from behind. And they really like they they s- kind of soak in this for a while.
1: It's really kind of a brutal scene. Yeah, and they they even show they do the thing I I love where they um she's in her car being strangled and there's people walking by but she's being strangled so she can't cry out for help. Right. Um, really, really yeah. suspenseful. It's it's very good.
0: And she she does a clever thing where she pretends to pass out to die so that the guy lets up, and then she quickly jerks and, and runs out of the car. Yeah. And then immediately stops like a car length away from where she was being strangled <laughs> to death.
1: <laughs> well, like, I think she's that's... kind of trying to look for them and see where they're at to get like, but still like go run yes, further, run run further and do that. Do more. Um,
0: I know you're probably out of breath, but get out of the parking lot. Find some other people around. <laughs>
1: um, and they, they do the Friday the 13th thing here from like the original where um, we, we know that the killer is somebody that they know because anytime that somebody sees the killer before they die, they're just always like, oh, it's you. Right. <laughs> Thank God it's you.
0: Yeah, they... Uh... We have we go to the scene at the bar afterwards, and and uh, one of the guys, Alfred, shows up late. Yes. Um, and he is dressed hair, in clothing very similar to what you see the the killer wearing, which is like they they really lean into to pointing the finger at him very hard early on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's even wearing
0: black gloves.
1: Yeah, he's a weirdo. He's got like a, a a mouse with him. It seems like he's the kind of outcast of this group that's only there because he's wealthy um there's so let's just run into taxidermy yeah yeah he's our he's our uh norman bates tommy jarvis mashup because he's also like a (laughs) making models and masks apparently too not just stuffing things um there's the the french son of an ambassador the the dirt bike dirt bag etienne um right there's uh Anne, the best friend, the confidant, the sweetheart, and you know c- couldn't possibly be the murderer because, you know, then why why wouldn't there be scenes where she looks suspicious and creepy? Like, you know, that's right. everybody else gets one, so Right. Um, he's, he's totally a good person. <laughs> we have Greg who's the, the Chad of the group. The <laughs> um uh, I love him
0: picking fights with the Shriners in the first, <laughs> the first. <laughs>
1: Well he's mad about it, but the person who actually kinda of puts the plan in motion is Rudy, the I, I put this in with a big question mark afterward. Funny one? I think sociopath is the yes, word yeah. I but I, I I kinda think the movie positions him. I, I I feel like they write him as like, oh, he's a card. I and think it's like yeah, everything and like, everything he does is like no, those all red flags. It's like this guy's it, a fucking <laughs> right.
0: In a traditional script, he is in that position. But they don't
1: give him any jokes. <laughs> <laughs> they give him Peter Laurie impressions.
0: <laughs> they just give him intense and uncomfortable dialogue. <laughs> uh,
1: we have we have Stephen, the stoner gambler of the group. Uh, the guy who's always got something riding on, whatever thing they're doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Betting money on everything. <laughs> <laughs> we have Maggie the blonde who's not Amelia and Amelia the blonde who isn't Maggie. Um, hopefully that yeah, no, helps. That's... That tracks. <laughs> um, if you need to tell them apart, um, Amelia's generally the one who's, like, just staring at, like, a, a, a like a laser dot on the wall being moved around. Um, I, think, her... I think long hair, short hair helps. <laughs> um, but, like I, I mentioned, kind of the incestuous, nat- like, they're all like getting with everybody in this group it's like it's everyone's dating somebody until the moment they're not and like it's all this relationship drama that's only between them
0: yes and no it seems like there's four of them who kind of are interchangeably in relationships and then like there's a couple of the other ones that are just kind of
1: Ray and Amelia seem to be together they they seem to be like pretty solid yeah yeah. And then Rudy and Maggie are like on the out because Rudy's a giant piece of shit. <laughs> like, um but then like Anne and uh Ginny and they they kind of seem to kind of bounce around between everybody and it's a it's a strange social dynamic in this movie. <laughs> right. No, I agree. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah, the um the the Shriners in this in this bar. I, I love that this is the bar that like all the kids want to go to every night is is where there's Shriners. Not just in 99 bottles of the beer. I don't know if you noticed they started at a hundred. That's like that's <laughs> insult to injury right there. <laughs> I, they get
0: they get distracted at one point and have to start over. <laughs> oh my
1: god. <laughs> like I I I have some friends of mine who like love to go to certain bars and it's like every time I'm just like why. Like I I don't have anything against bars, but like why are you why, why are you going to the saddest bar and you're so excited about
0: why is it? This one, why
1: is this bar? <laughs> we know the people there. It's like don't don't you don't you understand how that sounds?
0: <laughs> it makes me feel good about myself. <laughs>
1: um, uh, what do you think about the game? Uh the game's kind of fucked up.
0: <laughs> the the game is uh. There is a drawbridge in town, and whenever it's going up, they play a game where they take turns, they call out a number, and the, the person who calls one gets to go over first, presumably when it's safest, you know, all the way down to however many cars they have, and the last person has to go over when it's the uh the most
1: dangerous. And uh <laughs> this is wildly dangerous. Oh, <laughs> uh, and these this is again, you know, this pre CGI, this is like they're out there doing these stunts, man. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah.
0: I, I mean, I'm glad they've got money because that dude trashes his car.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, the guy who who wins, quote unquote, the uh, uh, Greg who's, who drives over it, which that's a real Greg move to just demolish your car to win a $20 bet. <laughs> <laughs> right, and they get mad because the other guy didn't make it over. He's like, that Nimrod owes me 20 bucks. <laughs> So, like, when they were doing this stunt, the uh, when they finally were able to land it, the stuntman broke both his ankles doing this. So...
0: It's fu- it's it's extremely fucked up. Like, I'm not even really sure why it's a game. Like, what's... <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, have you, said, you done you this say before? That, you say Did that you? Greg won, but he only won because Steve bet him money. No one
1: else had anything riding on this. <laughs> but this, this triggers a freakout in Ginny um oh,
0: yeah. this this is greg with his huge sensitive moment when uh jenny freaks out and runs away after they land after nearly totaling and, and dying <laughs> he's like i don't know she just freaked right out like i can't explain
1: it <laughs> The weirdest thing um so um do you want to guess what the original ending of this movie was jenny goes to go visit the graveyard of and uh you know, talk to her mother, her mother's grave, who died in an accident. Do you want to guess what that original ending would have been, the the ending that makes sense in the movie? <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I think... No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to say, I think that, like, kind of the framing
1: of what happens at the end makes sense, but, like, the, all the reveals don't. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into what they ended up going with. but the But as written the original idea was that Ginny was going into these dissociative states and it was the spirit of her mother who was coming through her and performing these murders. And then she would like come back out of it. Okay. Um,
0: There were, there were parts where I almost thought that that might be what's going on.
1: Oh yeah. There's, there's clear moments. Like up until we introduce again, the mission impossible masks, we'll get, we'll get into it um, where it's, it's pretty much established in the middle of this movie that, even if she didn't kill the other people, Ginny's killed, like, what, like, three of them? <laughs> like, three or four well, of them?
0: No, I mean, yeah, like, they, they reveal that pretty quickly, and it's, there's no, like, you there's no way around it. Like, you you see her doing it specifically.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it is, like, it's It's revealed at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is, again, again, one of those movies, too, where I feel like, they really sustain that mood for the whole thing cuz there's this whole bit here where uh she's like taking a shower and like Etienne sneaks into her room and like steals her clothes yeah, and it's just it's fucking it's, creep. I yeah, this, <laughs> if you came to this movie for likable characters, sorry. <laughs> um, uh you know, the the likable characters are our our, our, our final girl and the murderer. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um we we kind of start to see um that they go back to school the next day and there's the, they're they don't know what happened to Bernadette the, the the student who went missing at the beginning um this this character uh was it Mrs. Patterson the uh the, the headmistress of the school um I feel like I
0: might have remembered her name right up until you started talking about her <laughs>
1: Well, she that character tragically dies after the events of this movie from an, an acute case of hockey hair. Um, it's <laughs> just <laughs> it's it's just very funny to hear this. Like it's very she's written to be the officious, unlikable headmistress. Like maybe slight red herring where she's like talking about how they, they these students think they can get away with anything. Um, but but the, the, the hockey hair just doesn't fit that whole thing her, her English bulldog.
0: <laughs> yeah, she she has a lot going
1: on for not being in the movie all that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, if there's one thing we've learned from prom night, though, that every uh, Canadian slasher movie needs to have a little bit of uh, science class shtick.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we get some of that. I find it amazing that all 10 of the uh the 10 are seated in the front row like squeezed
1: into this deck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, and that the 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 10 wealthiest kids in in, in the school are all like in the same class, and <laughs> all seniors. <laughs> like, but, you know, these are the these are the things you gotta kinda buy into. If if you buy into Friday the thirteenth, part eight, this this should be no problem. <laughs> so, right, you just you just gotta spend a little bit of disbelief. Yes. Um but we get our first flashback here. Um with they're they're doing an experiment where they're zapping the frog, and this is where the science fiction element comes in that you're talking about. So right. um right. we find out that Ginny had been in an, in an accident and they had performed some sort of experimental procedure where they were um, like regrowing tissue that they were using. Um, We later on find out like we we see the surgery scene, but this is just her having memories of being out and hearing people talking about what was going on with her and how she was still recovering. Um, And she has this thing where she wakes up alone. It's a very like interior psychological thriller type move in this, in this movie. Um, did this or any of the later stuff? Like, how did that stuff kind of hit you? The brain surgery is, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, the brain surgery is is kind of out there. This, this was, um, I mean, aside from establishing that it was the kind of the sci-fi element that's here, um, it, I don't, I wasn't sure what to do with it. <laughs> like, on. I wasn't sure that this had a place in this movie just yet.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think we, we're starting to see her react to things strangely. And there's, she's having these kind of like fugue state moments. Yeah. So it's, it's going towards addressing that it's going towards like when she's, you know, she's in the science classroom and it's, it's when she has this flashback, it's again, the shallow lighting, like she's in the right. cl- and like everybody fades away. And like the whole scene turns like purple and pink and, um, how they do these transitions where it's like, she's kind of out of it. And then it's, it even kind of a couple times, I think kind of makes Dr. Faraday a little bit of a herring, red herring that uh, she's like blacking out and like waking up in his office, talking about it basically, or at least the transitioning to that.
0: Yeah. They, Cause they, he in his office. a couple times says something to the effect of, uh, I won't let you get hurt again. Uh, things like that.
1: Yeah, well, he's they they position her as being very protective of her and like you're like and, oh and how also protective also
0: having having some knowledge uh, about things that she does not have
1: that he's he's kind of letting her get back to but he's not yeah sharing with her until she she remembers it which um yeah there's there's some real like interesting stuff and I, I think for if you've got any sort of like medical fear where she's like has blacked this stuff out and then it's coming back and she's like describing the pain of it being like stabbed in the brain and like the knife going in. Like, yeah, it's, uh... I, I think there's parts of this movie that are really effective. I
0: don't, well, I mean, this part, the, the medical stuff in this movie didn't hit me so hard. Okay.
1: Well, the the model they used for the brain surgery, they used like a real brain surgeon and used like a medical model for it. Um, it that's, is that's it's very pretty, realistic. Looking, that was pretty intense, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're drilling into it and like cutting like a skull flap open and yeah. uh, it start like the brain starts to swell and yeah. It's, yeah, like uh-huh. push itself out of the... Yeah, that was... Uh, there was a <laughs> lot going on there in that scene. No <laughs> doubt. But we, we're starting to see um, some of the other... Top 10 get picked off. Um, Etienne, you know, he he had that sure shot move of so, showing someone the, the panties that he stole from them as was why he won a, a dirt bike race. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't believe this didn't work. This <laughs> further establishes the, the serious gambling problem at the school. Everyone has everything riding on this dirt bike race, just like every... They have everything riding later on on the soccer game.
0: <laughs> yeah, just lots of uh, lots of betting going on, just on anything, any sort of action.
1: <laughs> um, I, I I like Etienne's death. I I'm I'm a pretty big fan of this one. It's like yeah, uh,
0: I, I again I think I'm not sure if I said this earlier or not, but like all all of the deaths in this movie are pretty impactful. Um, if not you know outright inventive and, and, kind of fun.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really where, what Columbia was like pushing on the marketing for it as they were, they were re- like, you're going to see stuff you've never seen before. And I think the creative team was sort of like, we want to emphasize like the psychological aspect of the movie and the, <laughs> the characters and whatnot. And they're like, no, you, you got like weird deaths we're, we're talking about the weird deaths.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I can respect that. I, we talked about, we talked about how, Kind of limp the deaths were in Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, and I think this uh, this kind of went the opposite direction.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So Etienne is working on he's cleaning off his his bike and he's like revving the engine and like tightening it and stuff. And our killer comes in. He's got a um, a scarf on and grabs one end of his scarf and throws it in the uh, the the spokes of the of the bike as the engine's turning and then cranks it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and Etienne just gets his face pulled right into the wheel. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty rough, <laughs> pretty gnarly. Apparently, this uh, this had did have to get cut down a little bit. Um, we, we kind of see the after effects at the end when all the all the bodies are on display. But uh, right. yeah, the uh, I I think that's really good. I think the uh, so they they do this uh again. Our most red herring character is Alfred. Uh, he doesn't show up, and, along with Etienne, because Etienne's dead. So Anne and uh, and Ginny go to look for him. Uh, and, you know, if you don't want to be thought of as a red herring, maybe don't act so much like a red herring. <laughs> yeah, he kind of—he uh, doesn't do himself any favors, that's for sure. <laughs> they, they break into his place, and they find uh, Bernadette's head, uh, which— Maybe a little bit cheap of a fake out But I can buy it if it's like If we're seeing it from Ginny's point of view And we already know it, she's having some problems Processing reality Because right. when when the lights are out It is very clearly the same actress's Head underneath the table And then when the lights come back on It's the, the model head that he takes the eye out of Right, yeah <laughs> um, But yeah, he's also Well, she was my model don't you want to be part of my art as well? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, he could not have sounded more sinister.
1: <laughs> I I, I kind of like that everybody in this movie is just shady as shit all the time. <laughs> um, the, the there's a scream that that Anne has here that absolutely slays me because she she screams but she turns and like covers her mouth so it looks like she's like coughing or <laughs> she's like a sneeze. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not how you that's not how you do it <laughs>
1: um we're, we start to kind of see the the group like falling apart a little bit and uh you know rudy's having this falling out because his girlfriend's not wanting anything to do with him and uh you get amelia saying we're we're falling apart which is you know i Maybe the one like observation she's capable of in this movie of mostly she, just kind of she nails looking off won. in the distance. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, like
0: it isn't until quite a ways after these people start getting picked off that it seems like anyone's actually concerned that they're not around anymore.
1: Well, they're they're pointedly the bodies are never found. It's it's they're all missing, and they're yeah. they, they're trying to kind of tr- trying to come up with excuses as to where they might have gone or something but even that's kind of hand wavy and then even when they kind of realize that there's a bunch of people missing they're just kind of making well who's next <laughs> like yeah, jokes about not it. not a lot of concern <laughs> <laughs> so our next person to go missing is greg and I, I i i like the idea of this i think that they with a slight tweak it would have been more believable but uh, I, I do buy that Greg is too stupid to just push the weights to the side. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He he dies because he's too stupid to live.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but this death also very mean. It's a uh, he's lifting weights and again does the whole we have the point of view of the killer shot. Uh, does the oh it's you? Uh, help me! Uh, I, this this is too light. These 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 this weight I'm bench pressing uh, add on the, the weight add on more weight to it oh that's too much and then the the killer pulls the the rest bar away and just lets him sit there and struggle before grabbing the weight and dropping it on his dick Unless <laughs> <laughs> well, she couldn't wait for him to drop it on his own <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, you also get kind of a money shot here too. I think it's pretty cool that the the weight actually hitting him and. Right. Yeah. No.
0: We get we get some blood spray.
1: <laughs> par- interesting, yeah, an interesting effect here. Jay Jay Lee Thompson, um, his his like design team and effects people apparently had to stop him from just throwing blood around on the set. He was kind of. <laughs> I mean,
0: with varied amounts of success, I I think, <laughs> because there is one particular scene later on where I don't know where the blood came from.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think I know which one. (laughs) Uh, Um, the, I, I think this is also like, um, you can tell it's kind of in the hands of somebody like pretty capable because there's like some neat, like framing and there's like cool lighting in this movie too. It's also that it's that very dark kind of early eighties, late seventies film look. Um, as the killer like leaves, apparently it has cleaned up their entire mess um, quickly, like so quickly. <laughs> they get in the car and like you see Amelia coming in like framed in the in the mirror, like just just missing the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, <laughs> she comes in, he's not there, and she's got her like of course Greg is an, an- extra anchovies guy. Um, the the weight is behind the door and like turns and falls down, and her reaction is like not so much like oh that was very startling as oh what is this?
0: <laughs> yeah, she definitely seemed like she didn't understand much
1: of anything. <laughs> She's a bit a bit of an empty head in this one, Amelia. <laughs> um, what did you think of that? Did you, did you notice the transition here where? right after they die they go to the soccer game and it's just junie screaming kill him kill him <laughs> i i did notice that but it didn't, i didn't
0: i mean i didn't like put the two together but yes it was definitely
1: <laughs> not not since what am i a farthead head? <laughs> have, we, have we seen such a a question and response from from our scene transition right um i don't know if i talk the, the the soccer game here what, did you did you realize that alfred was the 6 million dollar weirdo like, his fast motion save. <laughs> I I didn't catch it. I did see that he was in the goal, but I didn't
0: I didn't uh, I didn't catch the weird bionic movement.
1: There's a there's a uh, penalty kick and he he saves it, but they like decide to speed up the film. Like maybe he was just going really slow or something. Like like oh, we need to make this look believably athletic, and instead it just immediately turns into like Benny Hill. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um but there's just like the more like weird shit here and then jenny ends up going off with rudy and they have this like gothic killer scene in like the church bell tower
0: this was uh, really strange because this is this is after rudy has this falling out with uh with his lady yeah. and w- one of the other guys from the group uh steven i think yes. kind of moves in and just kind of
1: Takes over as boyfriend. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know that's just that's how this group is. That's how that works, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it's not uh, the last time we're gonna see Steven just move on in.
0: Yeah, and uh, and with uh, what, what's the guy's name? Rudy. Rudy. All right, yeah. He's he's upset. He's he's uh, he has yelled at and put his hands on some of his friends the previous night, and uh, he definitely seems a little unhinged. In this scene, he seems very unhinged.
1: <laughs> like, I I, I kind of think they're playing it up that, that that this is just sort of his, like, he's got a very dark sense of humor. But he's also, like, not making jokes. It's just sort of like, like oh, said, I get up here and everything, <laughs> I get murderous. And I, by the way, I have a knife. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's definitely, there's no
0: jokes written for this comic relief character. <laughs>
1: But I think it does sort of, kind of once you know like how much of this movie depends on what Ginny is perceiving and whether it's kind of really happening or not, it makes a bit more sense. Um, (laughs) I so like the the thing he threatens to do that they're that she's getting very upset about is to cut the rope to the church bell, so that when they which wouldn't do anything. (laughs) It would just make the rope fall down, like, which it does later. <laughs> which what card? Which oh, by the way, like uh, so there's this whole scene up there with them where like she she's being threatened and stuff, and they 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 kind of resolve that by uh jumping jumping away to our another flashback to the to the brain surgery. But I absolutely adore adore the priest coming in and and doing it. He pulls he pulls the rope and it like makes the the rope fall down. And then he looks and sees the like a little bit of blood has fallen on the church floor, and he just starts saying quietly, "Help! Murder!" <laughs> I, I
0: I like that uh, his first reaction when the rope falls is to say,
1: "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> <laughs> I just love like cut rope and some blood murder. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there there was blood on the rope and there was a significant amount of blood on the floor.
1: <laughs> Just like a hands work, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that's more than you normally find on a floor, Josh. <laughs>
1: um Yeah, but I like a lot of the performance here because we have like the flashback, this is this is where we actually get the brain surgery part. Uh Rudy is the surgeon. I don't know if you knows at the, at the end that's <laughs> him stepping away. But I did not uh, know that. Yeah. Um so I I they do have the murder exposition that the doctor's listening to, so he's becoming becoming more concerned about all these missing students, and he goes to go help Jenny. At the same time, Rudy's missing. And they're looking for Rudy at the school, and they're kind of amping up their investigation of everybody else. That's not there. Um the guy I want to call out here, the guy I want to call a lot of attention to is uh Everyone's kind of quiet in this library. And then one of the background players like, hey, everybody, I think they found something outside. And he's just so goddamn happy about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, this guy is definitely like, I only got one fucking line. I got to make it count. He's the uh, he's the more cowbell of the scene. <laughs>
1: yeah i want a movie about this guy i want the maybe he takes over one of the top 10 spots now he he becomes the big man on campus remember (laughs) that time that you told us all to come outside
0: (laughs) and they're all they're all going outside to find
1: uh, another one of the red herrings that we we we've had one one of one of rudy's pranks yeah you know when when several of your friends are missing It's hilarious when you like bury fake evidence out on the school grounds. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's that is certainly the first place (laughs) my head goes. Let's see, comedy, comedy, comedy. Okay. uh, uh, I I I like that everybody knows Doctor Faraday. That the 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 police, the the people (laughs) at school, they're just just, okay with Doctor Faraday. (laughs) They're
0: just okay with him handling potential evidence.
1: Mind if I take a look at that, officer? <laughs> I, you'll 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 real you'll know I'm I'm this girl's on call psychologist, so I'm more than qualified. <laughs> <laughs> I will give I, I will give Rudy credit. He does say one funny thing in this movie when they're all discussing like who what might be happening or who who could possibly be, and Alfred's missing again and they're all like smoking dope uh, by the swimming pool uh they they wonder if alfred's disappeared he says alfred is not a disappearer he's a disappear <laughs> <laughs> i
0: mean, you got to get at least one laugh out of him i suppose <laughs>
1: you know stop clock and all <laughs> I, I i like this this setting works really well this like I think it's a really kind of eerie location they found for this, where they can like see into the swimming pool, like the, and then she sees the body floating down. She sees her, um, she sees, she sees Maggie, which is not really, we, we see Maggie later. So this, this is a hallucination, but uh, it's the, now we get a, a little bit more of the flashback of why there was this accident. Um, we find, find out kind of what the accident what it, was. Yeah. And, and what, why it happened? Why maybe she wasn't the biggest fan of the game? <laughs> yeah, it turns uh, out she's got a pretty significant reason for not liking it. Beyond just like being in a car with somebody who, who like could is potentially trying to kill you and everybody in that
0: car. <laughs> right, no, no regard for your
1: life or well being whatsoever. <laughs> but no, that would enough, <laughs> frankly. She's with her mom. Her mom's drinking, and. Uh, upset about something we kind of don't know what yet and tries to drive over the bridge and then stops in the middle of it as, as the drawbridge is going up and the car is positioned in between the two sides and then falls down into the water yeah. uh, I, I, I've had nightmares about that man <laughs> like,
0: it's... I don't think I haven't had that specific nightmare <laughs> but yeah that's I mean that's the sort of thing I could I imagine someone having a nightmare about yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I do love you know, because basically what you find why Alfred is such a creep or at least what his motivation is for why he's kind of behaving the way he behaves is that he's he's you know smitten with Ginny. And this is where we find out that like at least Ginny kills Alfred because uh, you know, my favorite place to make a move on a girl. Is at her mother's grave? That's, um, you know. That's, and, and, just and this is the, the second time.
0: Yeah, this is the yeah. second time we've seen someone stalking her at this graveyard. <laughs> I,
1: mean, I think Etienne does it about. It early. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's, it's Etienne earlier, uh, but she turns and, and stabs him in the gut with with the garden shears. Yeah. Um, and we see that what what they they very slowly show he's reaching for something in his pocket to make it look like it's a it's a weapon, but. It's it's a it's a flower. He was gonna give her a little white bloom. Um, so Ginny's confirmed now as our killer, right? <laughs> it seems pretty cut and dried. <laughs> you but, see her kill somebody, <laughs> and it's it's just a little stab here later. Again, like I later on when they show him at the party, it's uh it's a little bit more vicious. I think I wonder if there was this part was cut down a little bit too, because uh, when you see him at the party again, like there's like guts hanging out and stuff.
0: Yeah, see, I mean, he he is stabbed in the gut. It's probably yeah. you know, probably fair to assume that there was huh, a significant amount of uh, damage down there. <laughs>
1: um, the <laughs> so this is kind of where they start to introduce the birthday stuff in, where it's um. It's this week is going to be Ginny's birthday and she's upset because her 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 dad has promised she's gonna he's gonna stay there for it, but you know there's a, there's an oil oil rig that's caught fire and he's he's the only one that can handle it. <laughs> he has to go save Mark Wahlberg.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they wait an awful long time to bring up the birthday stuff in this movie that is called Happy Birthday to Me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think it's a, a pretty major factor in what ends up happening in the motive and all that stuff. But yeah, it's it's introduced a little late.
0: Well that's what um, I'm saying, for being such a pivotal thing, they really kinda wait to bring it up.
1: <laughs> so they like they have their uh their school dance. Um I I wanna compliment the the just the blowout that Maggie has here. That's uh it's it's pretty astonishing. <laughs> um it's Ginny's there with rudy and maggie is there with steven but they end up like switching back couples so jenny ends up with steven um and just gets real horny for steven kind of out of nowhere
0: <laughs> right this is this is if, weird looking back at how the movie actually ends this is strange
1: yeah this is maybe where it doesn't it makes more sense if they're going with that, the original ending that she's kind of going into these fugue states. And this is like her mom realizing how she can manipulate him back while she's possessing Jenny or whatever. But, um, with the ending we get, it's sort of like, uh, well, I know she has some brain damage and stuff, but they kind of seem like they went with a different direction. This part doesn't make a lot of sense with what they say. Um, I believe Anne might be dancing with that background guy. I think that new king of the school got to slot up like, everybody, I found Anne. It worked. Um, <laughs> Amelia's there with a character that we've never like seen before, but she seems very happy when he says, I'll take you back to your house. Because I don't think Amelia knows where she lives. <laughs> right, yeah. So. I think kind strangers have to get her home every night. <laughs> he, she's wearing a bracelet that says Mr. F. <laughs> <laughs> um so this leads into Stephen's death uh which they they go back they smoke some weed they're eating shish kebabs like you do yeah, down by the fireplace she's,
0: she's real good at making midnight snacks <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: that's like if there was the fondue pot it would be like peak late 70s <laughs> early 80s but uh yeah then we, we get our cover box image we get uh she she feeds him that shish kebab point first um jams it right through <laughs> i do like i like the timing in the scene a lot i think it like you kind of you know what's going to happen but they kind of let it linger especially if like you've rented the movie and you're looking at the cover box and it's just like oh <laughs> this is it <laughs> <laughs> i think it kind of like moves on an unexpected beat like she she kind of gets him
0: right it, it works for me it's not like um you kind of like, like you said, you know, it's going to happen, but in the scene itself, it's not like heavily foreshadowed. Like, there, it's really kind of out of nowhere. The, the scene is yeah. moving along kind of like a little, like a romantic little scene between the two of them. <laughs> and, and then it's like at, all of a sudden she just decides to uh, stick him instead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's cool. It makes for a cool cover box. I, I, I like it. I dig it. Um, so. Now like Anne comes over there's like I, I think actually I got mixed up a little bit. I think there was a, a little bit of the, the flashback stuff before with like the mom at the, the party. I think this is where we actually get the accident. I think we we see before that sure. the, the party the, so there was a birthday party for Ginny and she invited like it was like her freshman year and she invited all the other kids who were I guess at the top like seven at the time or whatever. Um,
0: yeah we have this long flashback happens because she's she's taking a shower and like the, the water.
1: Yeah. Kind of dogs her memory. Yes. Um, but th- we had also established that basically none of these kids had come to Ginny's birthday party.
0: Right. Uh, every one of the, every one of the names is the people that we've been, uh, already been, uh, you know, are, have already been in the movie and they're all the ones who were invited and they didn't show up.
1: Yeah. Um, the, uh, so then we get, we get Anne's death, um, where Jenny comes back to, and, and Anne is in the bathtub drowned, and it also kind of cuts to, because, you know, we find out that she, not only when she got out of the car, did she, um, have to swim to the surface and, and kick out the car and leave her mother to die, she also gets, like, caught by the boat when she comes up, so that's where she yeah, gets, like, if, it's like she damage gets damage from.
0: Yeah, she gets clunked on the head by the propeller blade, I think.
1: Yeah, so, um... She kind of sees herself in the bathtub again, like with all the blood streaming out too. She she comes to and the the, the bathroom's overflowing and and. I wasn't
0: around. I wasn't certain if that was her or if that was Bernadette.
1: Yeah, it's I I, I don't know. It's a little it's a little unclear. It might be I, um. It
0: looked like the throat
1: was slashed. The throat was slit anything. too. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't. It's 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 it hard to tell it's, it's brief. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> But the um, so doc, Dr. Faraday comes is basically like, like again like just red herring after red herring where it's like oh Anne's dead you say well, well look in here there's nothing in here um, and they this is where the movie gets like a little floaty kind of until the end it gets a little more nebulous where like the police come and start investigating and Dr. Faraday's like covering up and. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, there's the, the the further flashback where you find out that the uh, i think this was inserted later to kind of make the ending twist make a little bit more sense where the mom goes to like the the ann thomerson's house and is yelling for will thomerson and he, you know that she got bought off at some point yeah like, she says the, some of that effect yeah um so <laughs> is this the scene you're talking about with with the uh, Buckets of blood, Gwen Ford's death. Yeah, Dr.
0: David. <laughs> David, uh, David apparently is just full of this stuff.
1: <laughs> He's like a balloon ready to burst. Just, uh-huh. you, you hit him with a fire poker. <laughs> it's just, it's like biting into a fruit gusher. Just.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, frankly, it's a comical amount of blood.
1: <laughs> oh, it's great. I, I, it's it's fucking tremendous. Like Hollywood legend <laughs> Gwen Ford just. Pop like a blood balloon. Come on. Um, <laughs> it's then the, the so the end game of this movie is basically the dad coming back and finding that Ginny's not there. Even he's got you know he asked the guy at work he's got three Nintendo Wii's for her downstairs because that's that's <laughs> what kids like. <laughs> uh, he he starts wandering towards he's like following towards the cottage where this initial birthday party had, had taken place where uh, Ginny had been snubbed. Um, he finds Amelia there in the rain. I guess she was initially supposed to be dead, but the, the death they filmed for it was too gruesome. And they didn't want to redo it. But I actually kind of think it's creepier that she's just like out in the rain by herself with a birthday present, like paralyzed by thunder. Like that's <laughs> fits the character and is creepier. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: yeah. I kind of, uh, I kind of got the vibe that maybe she had, gone to the place where the party was supposed to be and, and like maybe saw outside the window or something
1: and she's just like catatonic. Yeah, yeah, that's the that that's the, the real excuse. I'm just I'm just making fun of how dumb she looks for yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to take away from that man. <laughs> I do again for a movie that I, I really love the look a lot. I love the editing. I love the pacing of it. I like the score a lot too. We haven't even touched the score. But um when this dad's walking to the cottage and finding like the he finds his <laughs> wife's empty grave how much foliage is between <laughs> where he's at in the cottage <laughs> and I, I was gonna it. say the same thing there's a lot of unnecessary
0: scenes of him brushing a tree branch away and looking at a window that is exactly the same distance away as it was the first time he did it
1: <laughs> it's very monty python and a few parts where
0: <laughs> he does it at least at least twice maybe three times <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but he gets to the cottage and he finds that Ginny is there with all of the, the people who have died so far in the movie, and with the uh, the the corpse of the mother. Right. And she comes in with the birthday cake singing, happy birthday to me. We got our we got our title drop. I, I love a movie where they say the title. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> um daddy gets a hat. Everybody has a has a birthday hat on. <laughs> um and uh he, you know, he's trying to reason with her before she she turns and slices his throat. A similar effect to Burnett's death at the beginning, and yeah, now we get the twist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about this twist, man. <laughs> well, the 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 real twist is is that Friday the Thirteenth came out, and <laughs> they were working on it, and they were like, "Oh, that's a good one." Uh, we should do that. We should do that one, <laughs> um, because the the all the bodies are strewn about, and Ginny goes over to Anne and pulls Anne up, and Anne is is Ginny. And I call call me just a fan of the profoundly ridiculous. I love that the the clothing swap involves two pairs of clothes on both of them. <laughs>
0: I noticed that, too. She takes the blue sweater off of Jenny and then takes the white dress off of herself to reveal a blue sweater.
1: <laughs> and in the, in the struggle at first, you know, you're like, oh, is this like twins? Is this like a because you're right, talking about was... like my sister and stuff. But
0: this was this was a part where I actually kind of questioned myself a little bit from like, was I not paying close enough attention to the fact that these two women look exactly alike? Like, was one of them just, like, the makeup just done well enough to disguise that? Or are these actual twins? Nope, just Mission Impossible masks. Yeah, That's, I should have <laughs> known. That, that should have been my first guess. It's Mission Impossible.
1: <laughs> um, I, I, I love that, like, they, because they, they go back and they start doing the exposition of, like, well, we know that you saw Ginny kill Alfred and kill Steven and kill Dr. Faraday. So <laughs> they, they have to show her. <laughs> They really shoehorn this shit in. It's fucking great. I think it fits the movie so well, actually, <laughs> but they like she's chloroforming her <laughs> all these times. But also talking about like, uh, you know, I learned to walk like you and think like you and even talk like you. And uh, Tracy Bregman, who, who plays Anne, uh, a very distinguished soap opera actress. She's been on like, think, like the CBS soaps, like gone between them playing the same character for like 40 years. Um, <laughs> she does not look like just a mask would necessarily make her look like Melissa Sue Anderson. Like she's got, she's got, she's she's an attractive person. She has some like distinctive teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, okay.
0: <laughs> you think Alfred couldn't have rigged up some dental work? <laughs> That's,
1: Are you doubting his genius? Hey, uh, she does throw in that line about Alfred, but it's like not clear if she's saying like he made this stuff for her. It's just sort of like, Oh, our, our makeup genius or whatever, but it's like, okay, well, what? Why was he making this mask for you? Like, what? I mean, that that was my read on it that she had him. Oh wait, okay. I I think I know why he might make uh, a genie mask for Anne. Uh, okay, I, yeah, I, I get yeah, yeah. You gotta get, yeah, Put the. <laughs> um, I'm. I think he may have modeled some other parts as well but there's a brief struggle and you know, maybe this could have been a little longer, but this is already a two hour slasher movie. And it just, maybe it doesn't have to be super long. Um, where Ginny's able to get the upper hand and she turns the knife around and is able to like get and to stab herself and she pulls the knife away. And that's just when we get like the cop blindly walking into the scene, like, right. Oh, just in the neighborhood. What? <laughs> <laughs> just in time to not hear any of the explanation. <laughs> I love that she's looking around and like she's remembering all the, the, the like the dialogue that her friends said. But all of her friends are like unlikable, horrible people. So it's like all just about like how they're gonna go drinking and how much money they've got riding on things.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know, I mean, I wonder what the odds were that there
1: was gonna be a Mission Impossible mask involved in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to lead with that. That was um, it's some things I prefer you discover on your own. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think a lot of stuff in this movie works really well. I think that it's uh, it, it looks good. It's made by somebody who knows what they're doing. It's well edited. It's like for as nonsense as it is, like it keeps you kind of moving along. Um, I agree. I, I I think some of the stuff is just it's it's almost kind of got that Lynchian element a little bit where it's like it it's kind of just outside of normal reality but like kind of close enough. It's like, it's got that soap opera type feel to it as well, where okay. it's, you know, the, you don't really like the characters, but they feel distinct and you can you kind of like to hate them a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I had a really good time. I think that I mentioned the score before. I think the the main piano theme that they do a uh, vocals over on the, um on the ending credits. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I think how it's kind of, a, kind of a fun little tune. Yeah. Was there was there other stuff that kind of jumped out at you about how it was made or what like, how did this stack up to some of the other slashers we've watched? I know this hasn't been like your favorite genre and you're kind of indulging me for my birthday. Happy birthday <laughs> to me. Happy uh, birthday to you. <laughs> you gotta let
0: me say it. It loses <laughs> some punch when you say it to yourself. It's the title of the movie, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I You know, I don't hate the slot the slasher genre i think uh friday the 13th is just <laughs> something that i like the idea of more than i like the actual
1: <laughs> you, reality do
0: kinda,
1: of do you kind of like this space a little bit more where it's kind of more of like a mystery type element to it or more of like a the that psychological bent to it i mean there's a high body count in this movie but it still has it, it it does more with the character work. I will admit, I, as, as a diehard Friday the Thirteenth fan,
0: I think that is that is probably something that's a a plus for me. Like I don't mind it being ridiculous. I don't think that the Friday thir at least the ones we've watched so far, the Friday the Thirteenth movies have not veered enough into that uh, silly aspect okay. to be kind of that to, to have that be the thing that I'm watching them for. Um, I think I do like a little more um connective tissue like i i like something to be established and and things to make a little more sense than yeah. maybe they sometimes do in in those other movies
1: yeah I'm um
0: i it like like you said uh, these characters may be shitty but they're distinct established characters
1: yeah and it it they it, it they, they make sense in the world of the film and they mm-hmm. they i think even the ones that you are you're, are kind of fairly shitty like it's 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 kind of funny because i I think like a mark of this being an early slasher versus um being a later one is i think in a later slasher there is no way uh, maggie and especially rudy make it out of this movie alive (laughs) right I mean, the only <laughs> um, reason they do is
0: because they weren't invited to the first party.
1: Yeah, that's and that we we know that there's um, that makes sense at the end because there's a a bit where Rudy is talking with Ginny and saying like, "Oh, you've probably never been up here before, right?" And she's like, "No, I've actually been at the school before. I've I, I started here before you. Just she she had been out with her injury, so
0: right." Um, Did it, I mean is it ever established that the the other people in the
1: 10 like remembered her. I I believe so. Well, I mean, obviously we because the whole twist with with Anne is that that's like their well, I mean, yeah, the, the father was the yeah, yeah. and then and obviously that's, Anne knows kind of what's going on. Yeah, and that's and that's where they were. Like they the um I think what they established in the backstory is that she invited all the kids to her party, but that there was also a party at Anne's place yes. the same yeah. night. And basically she just didn't tell her mom that she knew that they were actually going over there. Cause it's like, for. I think another thing I kind of like about this movie and, it's part of the class consciousness thing is that it's, it's, it is kind of about this family that is on the, they're a wealthy family, but they're the trashy wealthy family and they're kind of not right. appreciated in the town. And,
0: they're like new rich not uh they didn't come from money
1: yeah and we find out explicitly that um like i don't know like her her dad like maybe he like because it seems like he's got a pretty important job like i don't i don't imagine him not being like rich from that but that the mom got some sort of payoff because she was the mistress and she kept it quiet that's kind of the implication right. um, yeah she
0: she definitely says that you know at one point she says i'm I'm rich now. <laughs> you can't you buy me off can't anymore. Do this to,
1: you can't do this to me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I like that stuff. I, I think it's, it's parsed out well enough. And I, I, I actually kind of like that. Everybody in this movie is a suspect. like, it's, um, I, m- I don't hate it. I, I think that, yeah. I, it's an interesting idea. Um,
0: I, I like when it's not easy to nitpick stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. that sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, there, there are definitely weird things in this movie, but they almost kind of feel like part of the tapestry. And I think that's part of like it being in the hands of somebody who, maybe they're slumming, maybe this isn't the movie they wanted to be making at this point in their career, but is also a guy who has guns with a Navarone under his belt. Like <laughs> right.
0: It's like, even <laughs> even if I didn't like this movie... I could still say, well, there's a certain amount of craft on display here.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's really well made. I think it it's um again, I kind of said earlier, I think it's kind of a shame that this kind of became like a, a little bit of a joke for Melissa Sue Anderson, because I think the parts where she's like having her breakdowns like are actually pretty gripping. Like they're I think she's doing better acting in the scene than Glenn Ford is <laughs> um, who might be like, you know, Coming oh, down she, off a bender or something, but
0: she is laying it all out there for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think a lot of the, you know, I think her performance kind of stands like head and shoulders above some of the other ones. But I think a lot of the other ones are also pretty good. I think they inhabit these characters pretty well. They,
0: yeah, they're all they they are all the people that you that they are trying to portray. Like you, yeah. you can see it, and you understand it, you believe it.
1: But yeah, this is a. Uh, it's kind of out there for me, so I I, I don't I don't know if you were I, I kind of mentioned maybe want to do like a, a shorter episode. I don't know if there was more things you wanted to dive into or if you kind of wanted to move into the the portion.
0: I don't think that I have anything else uh, specific to call out. I mean, we we did kind of do what we do and hit, yeah. hit all the I don't, hit all
1: the points. <laughs> we 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 left some more scenes. We, well, then they walked to the to the kitchen. Yeah, we left <laughs> some of that stuff on the floor. But but on a Friday the Thirteenth movie, that stuff's gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, hey, I'm not arguing with you.
1: <laughs> but no, yeah, you, I, you can head to the sales floor. Well, that's fine with me. Yeah, I, um, so I, I I definitely wanted to pick out, um, you know, I, for for my birthday, a birthday themed one. I was I was I was going between this one. There's a movie with killer kids. We haven't done a killer kids movie yet, called uh, Bloody Birthday. That's that's pretty fun. And um, there's the one from uh, a couple of years back that they made a sequel to that Bloomhouse did, um, Happy Death Day. Um, like that that's like the Groundhog Day version of it with with a, a killer that keeps killing her every day. Um, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's that. Those are great choices. But I, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew that I had to do a slasher from 1981 made by weirdos in Canada, kind of grasping their way through what this whole slasher thing was. Um, And I think this is a, a, from that year that is like top lined and is basically associated so much with the birth of the slasher. I love Friday the 13th part part two, but I I think this is my favorite one of the year. So um, I think in some ways it's it's the winner then. (laughs) Um, So I'm, I'm, glad to share it with you I, I, I realize it's a it's peculiar film and it's uh it's it's kind of a niche thing where if, if if you're not into this kind of this might be like testing the waters a little bit for giallo because i think this movie feels a lot like a giallo even if it wasn't written to be one sure. um of kind of what those what that would do for you so i'm kind of interested in um what you have to say with it i, I you kind know, of talked about why i like it so much but um if, why don't you uh, address any concerns you might have with me, or if it's if it's just going to be a no go, just just lay it on out there.
0: I uh, well, all right. So here here's kind of my where I'm landing on right now. It's kind of in a weird spot where I didn't I did not love the movie. Like I don't yeah. I don't think that I would ever watch it again. But it's not like there was nothing redeemable about it. Like I I really enjoyed how inventive and kind of nasty the kills were. Um, and coming off of like Friday the Thirteenth, particularly the one we watched where everything was kind of flat. Yeah. You <laughs> um, cut by m b a Yes, for whatever reason it was. It just I'm only judging what I see on the screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this definitely had a little bit of a uh, little bit of teeth to it, which I mean I don't want it to sound like I <laughs> that I live for that stuff where I revel in it, but it is if you're going to do this thing, I want it to at least feel impactful and it definitely does here.
1: Yeah. Um, Did you, did you find this movie like scary at all? Was it, I I know like that's kind of been a thing where you're like, I'm watching these and there's only a couple of handful of moments where I actually feel some sort of terror around it. Was there any parts that like, they feel discomforting?
0: (laughs) Um, I felt like uncomfortable when the guy's face got pulled into the motorcycle tire, but that was only because of like how intensely brutal that kind of was. Like I could I could yeah. feel that, you know what I mean? Uh, but as far as like actual fear around anything in this, no, not really. Okay. Um what was I gonna say? Um am oh, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um So like like I said, it's it's not something that I particularly liked. But, like I said earlier, you can see the the craft involved. You can tell that you know all this stuff is put together with care. It's not just slapped together, which is a criticism that I think I can rightfully level at some of the other stuff that we've watched uh, throughout <laughs> the run of this show. Um, it definitely feels like they're still figuring stuff out. Uh, I, I, I know I said that earlier, but I think it, it bears repeating that this this definitely does if you're looking for something that's like formulaic like a slasher like the slasher formula this doesn't quite fit the bill because they didn't know what that was yet
1: <laughs> yeah um, they, were, they were still grasping at it
0: <laughs> yeah so all the kills were great and i think i think just that by itself is enough to push this into a sale for me even if i didn't particularly love the movie right.
1: well yeah I, I kind of i think from just our experience even with the slashers that you've liked even with like something like black christmas i know it's been like a, yeah this was well made and this is kind of cool but it's not like something i would seek out on my own or be mm-hmm. you know um so I, I i again that's why i thank you for indulging me when we go down these, these pathways um but yeah it's cool i'm 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 glad that this one kind of fell on that other side for you for <laughs> for for something you're you're doing for the show so um cool um I've got a, a crispy to hand out here and I think I actually kind of need your help on this one. Cause I got, right. I got three candidates and I, I might just need you to push one over the edge. Hey. Um, so first of all, I've, I've shattered her out a few times, but I think Melissa Sue Anderson as Ginny, like it, especially in a, in a performance that's in contrast to little house on the Prairie um, brings a, a, a really good intensity and like for the most part I think the, the only part that's odd and it makes more sense if you know the original ending is that whole like her suddenly being really flirtatious at the at the dance but right. um, I think for the most part her characterizations pretty spot on and she she kind of knows when to play the quiet parts quiet and when to when to really go for it um, the other two parts are a little smaller but you know that the crispy is not about the size of the role it's about how it's about what you bring to it exactly. um, one of them. Is of course the the Verger, the, the priest, uh, just for the help murder <laughs> that, that delivery, oh my god, it's just, it just it gets me. <laughs> he is he is definitely making a choice there. <laughs> and like, like his eyes are darting everywhere. It is it's it's great. Um or we've got our our background extra. This might be like the the Mafia Shark Hitman everybody they found something (laughs) um i wouldn't even know who to give this to i couldn't i couldn't find a a name so uh where you gotta help me out here who's 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 getting that that tip oh you're putting a lot of responsibility on my shoulders this week huh
0: (laughs) i it's a three-way tie for me and we can't have ties in this category (laughs) fair enough um i know we say it's not about the the size of the part um but I do think that in this case, our, our leading lady kind of has to take it because not only does she have a more sizable part, but the, she does tackle some pretty impressive things. She she does some things very
1: well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, again, like the whole, I, I, I mentioned it before, but like her whole recounting around like the brain surgery scene and stuff. And even like the, the scenes they're showing her in it while she's like kind of experiencing it as it's happening. That's, yeah. that's pretty intense.
0: Yeah, the the one that really kind of stood out to me was um shortly after the the first one, like is is like the end, the very end of the first one, where you see her attached to the machine and she's got the current running through her and she's kind of jerking which way, and then yeah. they have kind of this dreamy sequence afterwards where she sits up and is by like herself. Trying, yeah, she's like trying to speak and she's completely alone in the room. Yeah, um, it,
1: which is it was pretty effective. Cool. Um. So the, the next time uh, we record, we're gonna be we're gonna be together. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna watch a movie and we'll be ready to do it like pretty much right afterwards. So. That's right.
0: We're gonna be in in
1: the room ass to ass. That's right. Just um, you know, that's that's how we we traditionally watched movies back before I moved out here. So it'll be it'll be nice to get old Blackie out again and uh, <laughs> a return to form. <laughs> um. But, yeah, we're going to do a movie we've kind of talked about for a long time. I think we're just going to go ahead and bite the bullet and do it. We're going to do Brian De Palma's Carrie. It's Brian De Palma, Stephen King's Carrie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is – it's it's strange because, like, I know the whole like premise of the show is that I haven't seen a lot of horror movies, which is true. Um, but I have seen some. This is one that I, like, know every, like, beat of but have never actually seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I will say that one of my blind spots until recently, I I shouldn't necessarily say blind spot, but a movie that I'd only ever seen in like 20 minute chunks on like TV. And I feel like I'd seen like the, the ending a hundred times and like every other part once, but never watched straight through is Jaws. I was like a year and a half, two years ago. I was just like, I should probably watch that from point A to point B. I've seen all of it. I've just never seen it sequentially.
0: (laughs) I, you know, I, I, I feel like I might be in the same boat as you. I I don't remember ever actually sitting down and watching the whole thing, but it feels like I have.
1: <laughs> but yeah, we'll do we'll do Carrie, and you can figure out if you've if you had a, if you're having a similar experience to me. I
0: I know for a fact that I have not seen Carrie.
1: Okay, you're you specifically like, of Jaws as well. I then. know
0: all the stuff that happens in Carrie, but I know that I have not actually seen it. Whereas Jaws, I know all the stuff that happens in Jaws, but I don't know if it's because I've
1: actually seen Jaws all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> was i was i a butterfly dreaming i saw jaws or <laughs> um okay cool so let's uh let's talk about the uh business side we'll go ahead and wrap stuff up here um reach out to us uh the facebook group or accept the new folks put a, a decent clip now um sh- shout out to us on twitter at scream selling our email is uh selling the scream at gmail.com um and uh if you could help us, if we've made your commute any easier, please um, leave a good review on the podcatcher of your choice. iTunes drives the most traffic. And uh, if you're if you're going to leave a, a bad one, it's my birthday. Just come, come on. It's my birthday. <laughs> yeah,
0: just, don't do just it, sing don't.
1: a little song. Sing a happy birthday song. Yeah, that's... Don't, don't do this to me on my birthday. It's... <laughs> but, yeah. Until, until next time, then. I guess we'll do a uh, carry then and... I'll say bye bye Bye-bye. Oh, thank you.